0: All right, and if we would turn in our Bibles to Genesis. All right, and I should get my notes opened. I normally have those open before we get get rolling too far. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter fifteen. I think I'll also open my Bible to Genesis chapter 15. But here in Genesis chapter 15, this is Abram here. And uh, Abram has come out of the land and he's come out from from amongst his kindred. And he's been living in the land of promise and walking it for for a long time. In fact, in the next chapter, chapter 16, we're going to see here about Hagar and how Ishmael is born. And, and in light of the topic tonight, I find that fascinating. But in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 8 here, um, verse 8, it says, uh, And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So he's having a conversation with God. Where shall I know that I shall inherit it? Because God had committed to giving him the land. And Abram is like, but what do I have for evidence? I've come this far, and, 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 and you, you've told me these things, but I'm, I'm, I'm here doing what you want. And he said unto him, take me a heifer three years old, and a she-goat of three years, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And he took all these and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds, birds divided he not, and, and the fowls... And, and when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. Now when you read those verses, you read those and you maybe think Leviticus and sacrifice. And, but that's not what's going on here. And it says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he, and he said unto Abram, being God, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And Also that nation for whom they shall serve, I will judge, and afterwards they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in good old age. That's talking about the time in Egypt. And we're not going to go through that tonight. But it says, And it came to pass that when the sun was going down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. Lord Jesus, speak to us, O oh God. We want to glean from you. We want to grow in you, hear from you, Lord. Lord, speak through me your word and change our lives. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And so tonight I want to talk to you about, oh, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his mercy. In Genesis 15 here, and. We've been talking about being called in this entire year. We've been talking about being called. But we have Abram here. And Abram, even before his name is changed to Abraham, has this special moment with God. It's not his name changing moment. It's not the sacrifice up on the mountain. But it's a moment where he came to God and he says, how am I going to know that you've done this? And God tells him, hey, I want you to go get these animals. And you need to go ahead and you need to prepare, you need to cut some of these animals up. Well, it's not a sacrifice that's going on here. What he's doing is he's saying, hey, I need you to prepare the the ritual of the covenant. What I'm going to do with you here today is you're going to put these pieces, you're going to break them up. And and normally what Abraham would have done with someone else is they would have met and they would have passed between these pieces. And it was saying, hey, you know, we've got a, a blood Um, commitment going on here some animals have died and we have an agreement between us so instead of dying or signing your name on the deed and and people signing on to the the agreement here in this case he's saying we're going to pass between this and so god makes a a, sets up to make a covenant with him to to go through the act of signing the, the covenant so to speak and what you see happens is after abram falls asleep that you see the burning lamp Representing God is the one that passes between the pieces. God is the one that goes in through the covenant. You don't see Abram passing through it. You see God alone. And that is exciting to me. Because when God is the only one that signs the commitment. What he's saying is, hey, my name is on the dotted line. I've made an agreement that I'm going to do this for you. And Abram's over there. He's, I don't need you to sign it, Abram. I signed it. So what did Abram do here? What he did was he obeyed God. Abram's life was not perfect. Abraham, his life was not perfect. But when God told him to come out, he came out. When God told him to leave his family and that he was taking him to a new place... He made a decision that I'm leaving all these people who have worshipped this God and that God and this God and I am going to make my way to the land that that voice from heaven has called me to. Oh, I'm telling you today, obey the voice of the Lord. Oh, seek after the voice of God. Obey the written word of God. Obey the preached word of God that lines up with this book. Obey that voice that's poured into your life and pulled on you and, and pulled you out. Abraham, when he went and he lived in Egypt, and, and, and when he went and, um, and he lied, he said, Oh, hey, this, this is my sister. Because he didn't think God was going to be honored or feared in that land. He messed up. They, they went ahead and they thought, well, maybe Ishmael with Hagar, that's the promised child. But that's not how God wanted to do it. But he tried to sort it out his own way with his wife there. A way that was acceptable by the world standards, but not the way that God wanted to do it. But yet, he came back when God would call him and he would obey God. And so in this moment here, we find him that he prepares the pieces for the covenant. And then you know what he did with the pieces for that covenant? When the birds would come in and try to get on those things, he drove them off. He pushed them off. And, and in your life, there's going to be an enemy that likes to come in. There's going to be... Things of this world that like to come in. Sometimes it's just seemingly cares of life. You don't look at it necessarily and think the enemy's trying to steal my relationship with God. But God has made commitments in your life. And when an enemy tries to come in and he tries to get on those pieces of the covenant, you need to go ahead and say, get out of here and drive them off. I'm urging you, protect what God is doing in your life. Protect it. Protect your temple. It's the temple of the living God. Protect your mind. I see him here in his actions saying, hey, I've got to protect this thing. Oh, I've got something special that's going to happen here and I've got to protect it. Why? God had made commitment to Abraham. And I emphasize the protecting and I emphasize what he did here. This isn't the only time that... that that God had him do some special things. He had him come out. He had him make this covenant. He had him, uh, um, or make the covenant pieces. And he had him take Isaac and take him to a mountain, Mount Moriah, for sacrifice, or the mountains of Moriah. And Abraham knew and trusted that God would be able to raise up the promise. But in all these things, It wasn't Abraham's actions that caused God to give him the promise. But it was his faith. It was his faith that God was going to fulfill what he did. And if he would just simply obey God. That if he would simply reach in and say, okay. And and, and, you know, I I want to pause there for a moment. Because it was Abraham's faith that led God to give him the commitment. It wasn't circumcision, but it was his faith. But yet we see his faith in his obedience. When God said, I want you to divide the pieces, he didn't say, you know, God's going to do it. When God said, I want you to take Isaac to the mountain, he didn't just stand there and say, well, God's going to do it. When God said, come out of the land, he didn't just stand back there and say, well, God's going to do it. But he had action on his part and and. I know that you look at that and you say, well, duh. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that when they looked at justification by faith, simply think that means they don't need to do anything at all. It's come as you are. But if you truly believe that God has died for your sins and has committed to washing them away, then you have to step into what he's telling you you need to do to have the covenant And in your case, it's not cutting up the pieces. But it's going ahead and saying, Lord, you want me to be baptized in your name? I'm going to be baptized in your name. Lord, you want me to go ahead and repent of all those things I've done wrong, just like Peter preached it? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and commit, God, that I want to change the way I've been living. I want to turn back to you. I'm repenting of my actions. I thought on this topic of repentance... Because we, we talk about turn back, right? Repent, repent. And, and I'll continue to use those phrases. But you know, I was on a destination journey. I saw God. I wanted to go that way. I'm in life, right? But I'm over here, and I'm off on the side of the road. I'm sinning. And when God says repent, he isn't saying, okay, you need to go back and then go all the way back to wherever it is I first brought you out of. But what he's saying is stop doing that, turn from that, and go towards the promises I put in your life. I got lost once on a trail. I've been lost more than once, but uh, maybe you don't want to hike with me. Um, and I went down, I'd hiked, I'd hiked, man, it was a 20-mile day hike. Who does 20-mile day hikes in the mountain? Well, I did. That probably was my first mistake. Um, but I went out there and I had a great time. I ate lunch on this rock after at noon and... I hadn't seen anybody since the start of my hike, and and then I'm like, man, I'm above the tree line here, and where's my where's my stuff at, and where do I go? And I'm like, ah, I got a map. Well, why is there five mountains, and I only see four? Wait, well, you know, I think I can read the map, right? And I decided, you know, on this loose rock, I think the trail's over there. I'd come from that way, so I went down that way. I'm like, I think that that pond and that pond must be these great lakes, and and. And so I determined that I was going to find my trail. And then I would get a little further down. And then I'm like, oh, I, know, I think this is probably the wrong decision. So I would head back up, <laughs> you know, a couple steps up that loose rock. And I was like, well, this is steeper incline than I thought. No, 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 the trail's got to be over there. That's easier to do anyways. And I dropped down some drop-offs. And pretty soon, 7 o'clock at night, I'm down in the bottom of this valley. And I got my compass. And I'm like, that stream doesn't run that way. It runs that way. I'm lost. I'm lost. And I can't get out tonight. And so I was there that night. But you know what I did the next day? Thankfully, there wasn't cell phone coverage because I might have been tempted to call and then somebody might have tried to rescue me and I would have been in the news and I didn't want that. Um, But I climbed back up and it was a whole lot harder than if I had just turned around at those other moments when it was like... Don't think this is the right way. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. All those moments where I hesitated and took five steps back, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And then finally I began to climb, and I climbed, and I climbed, and I climbed, and then I got to those little drop-offs or those little cliffs, and I had to work my way around and pull myself up, and pretty soon I'm above the tree line. And you know where I got turned around at? Where I ate my lunch. I was like, wait, that's the rock where I set my camera and took my picture here, and then turned and said, this is a great view, and headed off the wrong way. But when I got back to that spot, you know what I didn't do? And it would have been okay, I guess, in my that scenario, but it doesn't fit with my example anyways. I, I didn't head back that way. Instead, I said, you know what, I got back to the spot where I got all messed up and turned around. But I had a destination endpoint point in mind. And I'm not giving up on what I was headed towards. And we're only halfway through the day and i begin to walk and then i met somebody coming that direction and i verified with them am i on the right path and they're like yes this is the destination and they and i said you know i got lost last night and they said really you know i've been lost too but i found out they were there also and you know what, church, this will preach. Because when you get yourself back up here and into the house of God and amongst the people of God, you're going to say, am I the only one who messed up? And AJ, you get going to come over and I'll say, you know what, I messed up once too. I messed up actually more than once. But I got back on my trail. I didn't give up in the middle of the night. But I climbed back up. You know what I did? I said, God, if you want me out of this, you're going to have to keep me. You're going to have to keep me from the weather. You're going to have to do something about it. And then I laid down and I went to sleep. And I'm telling you, you may not get out all in one moment. It may be a little bit of a climb that God has to bring you back through the mess that you were in. Oh, but turn around. Head back up. And then head towards the promise. Because He's given you a destination. And don't give up on the calling and purpose that God has placed in your life. Abraham didn't give up. Instead, he discovered that God was in Egypt. Just as I discovered God in the bottom of my valley. He didn't give up. But he said, God called me. He had purpose and I came out. It's not time for me to say, well, I messed up real big this time. Let's go back to Haran. But he came out. Oh. Romans, Romans spends some significant time on Abraham. But Romans chapter 4, verse 4, and talking about Abraham, and talking about was it by his works, or was he justified by works, he says, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Oh, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Oh, hallelujah, cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision. For we say that the faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Oh, how then was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. For he received the sign of the circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all that believe. Hallelujah. You know who that is? That's you, and that's you, and that's you. And that's your neighbor, and that's all those that are afar off. Hallelujah. And that's me. And that's the Jew, and that's the Greek. Oh, it's everybody. verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 18 says, who against hope, speaking of Abraham, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be called. Oh, this promise was... Of faith. This promise was of faith. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, church, we've been talking about, and we talked about it last week, that God called his disciples to feed sheep, that God called his disciples to be fishers of men, and you've wondered how could they do it. Well, I told you last week that that Jesus, when he came walking along, he said, hey, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Peter, James, John, and Andrew They hadn't been through three and a half years of ministry just yet. Oh, they had just had a little bit exposure to Jesus. But when his call came into their life, against the logic of many people, they said, you know what? This person I really don't know all that well just called me and I'm leaving the family business and I'm going to follow him. Oh, little did they know that they would have failure. Little did Peter know that he would curse him at the fire. Little did they know the struggles that they would go through and that so many of them would pile back in the boat to go fishing. Little did they know what it was going to be like for him on the cross. Little did they know. Oh, you know what happened to John when he died? His disciples buried him. Do you know what happened to Jesus when he died? His disciples did not bury him. Joseph of Arimathea had to come along. Oh, little did they know they wouldn't play even the role in Jesus' greatest struggle that John's disciples would do for Him. And yet, in all of that, how were they saved? In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, when we yet were sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, before you even thought about getting out of your trouble before you were even born God had determined that if you would be willing to obey his command then his great mercy and grace could be applied to your life can we give him a hand clap (laughs) hallelujah oh it's the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ but God commendeth his love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Hallelujah. So Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Oh, all those things that you did wrong. All those mess ups and all those failures. Everything that, that you dealt with. You know what? There's no condemnation. Oh, it's great rejoicing. I didn't get this because I went ahead and said, okay, God, you know what? I'm I'm willing to walk 50 miles for you. And let me repeat, you didn't get this. You didn't get this because you did a work of baptism. Baptism was your demonstration of your faith through obedience. James said faith without works is dead. You know, that covers a whole lot of territory. But in this walk with God... Your first thing was saying, okay, you want me to cry out to you? I'm going to cry out to you. You want me to be washed, just like Peter said, repent and be baptized? I'm going to do that. You want me to to go ahead and turn everything over to you and you're going to fill me with your spirit? Come on in, Jesus. Oh, I started to say it last week and I've told you before. He has all the wealth and riches out there. But what he doesn't have is your ugly sins. And so you can't buy your way into heaven by giving Him wealth and riches. He has planets that rain diamonds. But your ugly sins, He who is without sin, who knew no sin, went ahead and said, I'll take on your sin. He went and died for your sin. And so it's up to you to say, yes, you can have mine too. You can have my embarrassments. You can have my shames. How many of you have had something and somebody said, hey, go do this, and you're like, oh, no, I won't. I can't do that. That'd be embarrassing. When you're growing up and you go through some things and you you fall down in public, depending on what type of fall it is, all of a sudden you're like, I just embarrassed myself in a whole lot in front of a lot of people. You now the the person who gets up on stage and then they trip and fall right away, it's the great start to a message is to fall down. And I'm sure I could explain Tell you a lot more embarrassing moments, but I won't do that. But if you'll be willing to go ahead and say, God, all those embarrassments in my life, all those things I really want somebody to know, which is much greater than the falling down on stage. And the exciting thing is, is He already knows them, so He can say to you, Trevor, you know what? <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. I was already there. And I'm calling you. And before you even did that, I knew that you were going to go those directions in life. And when people would go those directions, I had a plan to already purchase them. That's so exciting. So there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin to the flesh, that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Each one of these things I'm sure I could preach and teach on for a while, but I want to remind you tonight that you who have been called out by God, And make make no mistake, this calling is for everybody. This calling is for everybody. But when we say that you've been called out by God, you have obeyed and responded to the call, just like Abraham did when he left his country, when he divided the pieces, when he went up Mount Moriah with Isaac. And so you have obeyed and continued to obey that call. But let me remind you, This passage says, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's time to get back on the right walk. It's time to make your way back up the mountain. It's time to turn around and say, okay, this is where I need to be at. You're not going to get up your mountain simply on your own, but you need to go ahead and say, God, I need to get back into the spirit. I need to walk after the spirit. What are the things of God? For the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This righteousness is for you. Today is the day to get up and say, okay, God, I'm going to go ahead and recommit to prayer. I'm going to go ahead and begin to let some things go. You've been telling me to stop that. You've been telling me to do this. You know, when God begins to draw you up higher and higher, you will not regret it. You only have 24 hours in the day. you got to exchange some things. So there's sometimes just some weights. Some things that are occupying your life and bearing you down. And in and of themselves, they're not sinful. Sometimes they can build up to that. Some of the things are actually great moments to relax. But when you overindulge, I like chocolate. I like ice cream. Sometimes I've had ice cream for breakfast. Hey, some of you eat pizza for breakfast, and you call it breakfast pizza, so there you go. Um, I do, too, by the way. The other day, I had a hot dog for breakfast. Isn't that terrible? I opened the fridge. I'm on my way to work. I'm like, oh, I guess that's what we got, and I thought I'd take it into work, and I ate it on the way. That's terrible. I shouldn't even have told you that, but my wife's not in here, so. Um, yeah, she even shake her head. Um, yeah, I need to get myself on track here, right? But you need to go ahead and need to come up out of that. You need to go ahead and and those weights that you have, too much sometimes is of a good thing. If I ate ice cream every morning for breakfast, we would have some serious problems over here. And you guys might not tell me that, but you might be thinking that. And now that you know I've eaten ice cream for breakfast, you probably will tell me that. But we need to go ahead and there's some things that you say, hey, you know that's a great thing? I used to... I like to read. And I don't get to read near as much as I would like. But I would get on a book and I would read it voraciously. And I would stay up sometimes till 4 AM. I would do this as a teenager. I would late, my my parents would go to sleep and then I'd turn on that closet light and I was like, got to finish this book. And if some of you are also thinking nerd over there, that's okay. Um, (laughs) But I would do this. And one day I was in the middle of a book and I was like, I cannot stop this book. And it was a big book. And I closed that book, and I said, you know, you've come through too many books. The last book, God's like, you're spending too much time on this book. You're spending too much time, but I launched right into the next book and the next one. and Finally, I closed it, and I knew my dad was going to read it, so I said, you got to tell me how the book ends so I won't be tempted. And, but what did I need to do? I had some things that wasn't wrong but was taking up too much time. And God was calling me to a place, and I only had 24 hours in a day. And I didn't regret stepping further into the presence of God. Because there was another great view around the corner. And it was going to be some tough hikes further down the trail. Oh, but when I said, you know what? I got sidetracked over here. And I'm going to get on the track for the promise. God had greater things to show me. I need to walk in the Spirit. Oh, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know what? There are some things that you can do and you need to do it in proper order. But don't do too much of those, quote, good things. Bring some balance in your life and get spiritually minded. And be willing to go where God calls you to because the treasures that he will give will far out replace what you thought you gave up. And when that day when that trump blows and we see him face to face, I'm telling you, you won't even remember that you gave something up. You won't even remember what it was like. All you'll be able to do is see him. And those things will be so far back there, they'll be fainter than as if you had a dream. Oh, you're going to be like, he was worth it all. Oh, I'm so glad I could just see Jesus. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please the flesh. We need to walk after God. Right. Right. Something I noticed the other day in my own mind, in my own life, dealing with some subject matter. It's always easy till you're challenged. You know, uh, I got one for you. I don't. I think it's rated PG. But I like Toy Story. I do not like Lightyear. I'm not going to watch Lightyear. Why? Because in Lightyear, they have, I guess, it's just a couple seconds of a couple girls kissing. We're not going to sit down with the family and say, okay, I think we can watch Lightyear. (coughs) Why? My kids will watch that, and it's plucking another thing into their life. And so I had to make a real decision about something that a few years ago, I was like, oh, they're gonna make a movie called Lightyear. I loved Toy Story. This will be fun. And now my kids, I hear them in the house saying to each other, they don't know all the whys. They're like, no, we can't watch Lightyear because they were looking forward to the idea of Lightyear. And we have Disney Plus and they're like, oh, Lightyear's gonna be on there. We see the, the things talking about it. We're like, no, we're not gonna watch Lightyear. Lightyear's not there. But what did I have to do? I had to say, you know what? This is a place where we're making a decision and this is a line right here. We're not setting, this is not a family movie. We're not going to do this one. And yet sometimes you get into a spot and it's real convenient when you're talking about theory to say this is what I do and this is what I don't do. But when you get into a spot where it's reality, maybe you're halfway through the book Maybe you're partway into the season series and you're like, wait a second, this series isn't where I thought it was going to go. And and, and these friends took me someplace and I really shouldn't be here. Uh, uh, Oh, oh, wait a second, what did I get involved with? It's hard to extract yourself. But you're saying, wait, I've got to live for God. I've got to change my thinking. And changing your thinking is hard. To go from that, you thought you were spiritually minded, but you realized you had become a little too carnal. And now I need to extract myself from the situation because the spirit wants this. And it really doesn't want to be in this spot over here. And that's reality. And reality can be tough. I don't know, is it, can I get a witness out there? You know, I give you my examples over the pulpit here. and, and I'm, I'm like, you know, it's what I got. And some of you might scratch your head. And some of you might be like, he's not a sinner at all. And the other ones are like, you did what? (laughs) So I have no need to walk after the spirit. We didn't get this by our own works, but we got it because we followed after Jesus and he saved us by our obedient faith. And so as we flip through the book of Romans here, we got some exciting promises. Got some exciting promises. And we've been reading in Romans chapter 8. We've been reading, for there's no condemnation them who are in Christ Jesus. But as we slide down through the chapter, we see verse 28. And we got this great promise, and it says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, predestinate him, them also He called. And, to, and whom He called, them He also justified. In whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, let me reread to you. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, nay! in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things past, nor things to come. I said nor things present, nor pin- principalities, nor powers, nor things. That's right. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, what a promise it is. You didn't get this by yourself. You didn't get this by your own works. He took you while you were messed up, and he brought you out, and he delivered you, and he saved you, and he said, what shall separate you from the love of God? Isn't that exciting? Can we give him another hand clap of praise? Oh, I worship you, Jesus, and I glorify you. And we only have a few minutes left. And the next thing I want to highlight out of here. I could take all night for. But we read this that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. That called, the called isn't the call to whosoever will. It's like I said before, it's you who answered the call. And when you answered that call and you stepped in and you begin to follow him, he's saying, what shall separate us from the love of God? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And it sounds beautiful and it sounds great. And and, and the foreknow and the justified, what's that telling us? That when you begin to follow after Jesus Christ, he says, I have destination for you. And when you're following me, your life is determined that you're going to make heaven your home. doesn't mean you can't walk out on God, though. And it doesn't mean you can't sin. And many people who've looked at this passage, and maybe even some of you have struggled, and you said, but what about when I fail? I've been delivered, and I've been saved, and I came out like these things you're talking about, the, the, the ones who are, have faith like faithful Abraham, and, and, and yes, I did all that, but now I've been living for Jesus, and I messed up, and I sinned, and, and how did that work out? What do I do? And we read these beautiful verses, and they sound so exciting, what shall separate us from God? But the ne- very next verse, after verse 39... Paul does something strange here. And he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow. For I I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren and my kinsmen according to the flesh. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You see, the nation of Israel had been called out by God. The nation of Israel had brought the covenant. To, they were the law. They were the carriers of the covenant and those pieces that Abraham had and the covenant with Isaac and the one that was on Mount Sinai and the covenant. And, and yet they, they now were the ones that crucified Jesus. And Paul goes through this long thing and it seems solely separate from Romans eight twenty eight. And you're like, where did he go? It's this shocking transition. And he talks about their thing and you're saying, well, what shall separate me from the love of God? But, but, but didn't Israel get separated from the love of God? Is, what's Israel over here? And, and he begins to go through and you're saying, but, but doesn't he foreknow and predestinate? And how about Israel? And again, I tell you that foreknow and predestinate doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want. God predestinated me. Or those people were predestinated to hell. That's not what that means. And I could, I could demonstrate that to you with scripture after scripture, what this passage means. It means that when you obey the voice of God... The devil can come over to you and say what about your sin sister dana and you say well, you get to say what sin because jesus is saying i she was went under the blood and she's been buried in my name and she's living for me and and, and i've got a whole place in heaven for her but then you sin and you fail and he says Aha, ha ha but what about now and we have romans chapter 9 10 and 11 where we talk about the nation of Israel and Paul walks through all their struggle and all their sin and all their mistakes and and what does he tell us how does that work together for good Oh but how does it work together for good because it was through their struggle and through their sin even in their crucif that led to them crucifying Jesus Christ he saved the world. He saved the world. And so if God could take Israel's fallen sin and their mistakes and their struggles, if he could take them who went back and forth in a nation that struggled, that he had put the, the covenant within, and if they even took him to the cross, if he could take their things, and he could take their failure, and he could work it to the salvation of of the world. Oh hallelujah. If he could do that in the midst of their problem. What is he going to do for you? Oh verse 30 says for as ye. Of chapter 11. For as ye in times past have not believed God. Yet have now obtained mercy uh, um, through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy. They also might may obtain mercy. Oh, you obtained mercy through Israel's unbelief. And you know what they get to get? They get to get mercy. Oh, because of your belief. Hallelujah. Can somebody give him a hand clap? For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he he may have mercy upon, upon all. Verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both in the wisdom of knowledge and God, How unsearchable are his judgments and ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You know what God's going to do? He's saying, hey, what, what Paul did here, by the way, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, is he showed you a major struggle in Israel. He showed you that this, quote, physical seed of Abraham and that he had all gone through about faith and how the the children of Abraham are those by faith, by belief. But then he walks back and he says, look at this struggle. And yet even through their struggle, he brought salvation. So God can take failure and he can go ahead and he can use it to save the world. And it's not that he's turned his back on Israel, but it's that Israel... And Ishmael and Esau and Egypt and you and me and to whosoever will can all become the seed of Abraham through faith and we all can be saved. And the natural seed can be grafted back in. And we that were not the natural seed, were also grafted in. And we all are the children of God. And how much more through your belief will things be achieved? How much greater when you obey God? And so I want to encourage you tonight that even when you've gone through unbelief, if you will repent and you will turn around and you will step back, that even Israel who went through struggle, and I'm now talking about him as a nation, but even them and even as a singular individual, that when they would repent and that when you repent, he has a place for you. And so all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. You can look at your life situations. And you can look at your mistakes and failures. And you can know that God will even work those things to His purpose. Oh, trust Him tonight that He can bring you through everything. And so I would like to conclude this. When you're reading Romans, I think hopefully you, as you study Romans 9, 10, and 11 and think back on Romans 8, 28, you'll reflect. And you'll see it in a new light. But I'd like to conclude this with God sanctified you when he washed you. And that sanctification doesn't just apply to the very first time. But He keeps he'll do it again and again. You don't need to be rebaptized but you can find a place of repentance. And so you wonder, how can I fulfill the calling of God? It's because he cleansed you. How can I make my way into the promise? It's because he passed through the pieces. It's because he signed the covenant. Sure, you can walk out on it if you want, but if you'll return to obedience and trust him, he sanctified you, he's purposed you, and he can even take all your failures, even the failures of yesterday, and he can work it to save people and to put you in a place that you never thought you would be. So climb back up the mountain, get back on the trail, and let him work even your failure for good. And he's gonna take your obedience and work it for even greater good. If God before us, who can be against us? Oh, the riches. Of His mercy. Can we stand to our feet? If we could just tip our faces up towards heaven. If we could look towards Him. God who knew no sin became sin for us. God who even through the failures of a people who had been separated for Him. Was able to save the world. How much greater... Through their obedience and through our obedience, is He gonna work a great work? And so, Jesus, I give you my failure, even my failure after you washed me in my sins and washed me in your blood. And I'm setting foot back on that trail. And I'm making my way towards your greatness. And in your purpose, I'm gonna walk in your purpose, Jesus. Oh, the riches of your mercy. Oh, the depths of your grace. Oh, if God before us. Oh, when I turn back towards you. Oh, who can be against us? And what shall separate us from the love of God? Oh, if you could turn a failure into deliverance. Oh, you've got me, Jesus. And I worship you. And I praise you. Hallelujah. Go ahead, give him that worship. Give him that praise. And testify of his greatness in his deliverance hallelujah god bless you god bless